Welcome to the second episode of the Will Work for Purpose podcast. Today, I'm joined by Austin Rodriguez, who is a professional Olympic weightlifter, and we'll get into what Olympic weightlifting is, the importance of health, and the role passion plays in maintaining high-level performance in a sport over a long period of time. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. fitness company and you train uh, you've been a personal trainer before and you yourself have competed in competitions for weightlifting how exactly did you get started in all that uh, I got started in high school it was uh, kind of through my through my older brother he was involved more through uh, sports I mean football weightlifting and that's kind of what got us involved uh, I have a twin brother so when I say us, it's both of us, you know, going together into it. So um, both of us got involved with weightlifting, um, football, which we realized we weren't very good at it because of our short stature. I'm 5'3", and um, about 145 pounds. So you can kind of see that that's not really a good football player. So we realized, you know, um, our what we were really going to be good at was more uh, weightlifting. So we really, we got started in freshman year and then from there kept going. And whenever you were first training, did you think that you were going to be like really successful at it? Did you think that you'd eventually be uh, a collegiate champion or anything like that? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, especially right now with weightlifting, cause it's still not very big. Um, you kind of, you know, at first you get into it as a sport, you have no idea the outside world, you know, from there on out, like, when you get into the high school sport setting, I mean, in other sports, you know, track and field, football, those big NCAA sports, these kids get into it. And the first thing they know is scholarship, scholarship, uh, D1. I want to be professional with weightlifting back in 2007. Like it, it was it was almost non-existent. We got into weightlifting in high school and it was that was it. That's all we knew was that little world in high school. So I had no idea what was going to happen after that for sure is there like a big weightlifting scene like 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 so if someone goes into baseball or football like they are thinking about going to college and things like that for weightlifting or for football or baseball or one of those mm -hmm. more mainstream sports like for a kid who just gets into weightlifting like what i guess what is the avenue for them to take is it just could they are they only able to do it as a hobby or will they be able to kind of pursue that at the college level like universally like you could go to any university and kind of compete in this sport basically like yeah so there is more now mm. definitely now there's there's more, definitely a lot more universities um when i was lifting this was in 2011 when i finished high school uh we only still knew about maybe three big colleges or our coaches really only knew about three big colleges um that was lindenwood university which is the one i eventually went to uh etsu eastern tennessee state university and um uh, louisiana um State University, Shreveport. So it's actually the Shreveport. It wasn't the big LSU. Um, so those were the three big ones. So still, like at the at that time, nobody really knew. Right now, there is more and more opportunities to go into the university setting. Um, so a lot of kids think, oh, you know, scholarship and all that stuff. But really, the money in weightlifting isn't that much. So scholarship isn't really offered still that much mm -hmm. in weightlifting. So it's more of the joy of it when you get into it. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say kind of the dream, the goal, 
what's the first thing I'm going to ask you? What's the first thing you think of if somebody came up to you and said, oh, I'm in Olympic weightlifting? Um, I think of uh, like someone just doing deadlifts or like literally going to the <laughs> like literally going to the Olympics for there it weightlifting. Is, yeah. Like I, I wouldn't imagine that uh, most I mean, I think that's probably general consensus. I mean, is that is that what you're saying? Like nobody even knows what that sport is. It, that and also saying that the first thing that people think of is the Olympics when they hear Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. So it's, hey, do you want to do Olympic weightlifting? I can go to the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that's usually like the first thing that a lot of people like. That's kind of their that's their number one dream. Mm. Most people when they get into Olympic weightlifting, it's their number one dream. It's the first thing they talk about is the Olympics. Mm. Me too. You know, when I got into it, that's what I thought about. I was like, oh, the Olympics, cool. So. I would say that the avenue for college is definitely more available. Um, but back then, that was like the number one avenue for most people was the Olympics. Because mm-hmm. and, and so that's all we knew. You kind of you touched on it earlier. You said the money is not very good in Olympic weightlifting. So, and you said you kind of had to, you kind of have to do it for the joy of it. Is that why you do it? Do you do it because you like it? Or do you do it because you think eventually you may, you know, become the next, I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or, you know, whoever those, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, uh, Eddie Hall or Brian Shaw, or right, those right. big, big weightlifter guys, basically. Like, do you, yeah, yeah, is that what you want to be or do you just do it because you find like it's your passion? Yeah, it's, it's not my number one passion. When people end up uh, getting into weightlifting, usually they usually fall in love with it. And so they end, it ends up being their passion. And I think it's a lot because it has to do with you have, you're not versing really anybody else on the field mm. on the court on the platform like it's not really you against someone else it's you against yourself and i think a lot of people start just enjoying that loving that piece of it that you can make yourself as best as you want to make yourself um and uh i mean i already know and people are like oh you know don't say that you could you could be you know you could be uh, a national champion or senior national champion it's kind of different when you get into that but uh, and I'm like, uh, no, I don't know if I can make a world team, but you know, I think I can do this, you know, make the kind of like a lower level. Mm. So like when you make, when I make my goals, like it's more of like, I don't go straight to that, the Olympic goal. I want to be an Olympian. Mm-hmm. I go to, okay, what can I, and that's how, what you learn throughout the years after you continue to practice and practice. First, your goal when you first start is Olympics. Mm-hmm. And then as you start to train, you're like, wow, this is really hard. So then it goes down to, uh, an international level athlete uh this is getting really hard so then it goes down to you know and that's it's still it's not like it's um less more depressing it's not you still kind of are reaching those goals and and you still have that um mindset of of getting to the best that you can be in this sport so and and so does that change like as you experience success like i know for instance you you have one like uh, a lot of a lot of meets, a lot of competitions at high levels. You know, does that change? Mm-hmm. Does that change your mentality when you go into it? Do like once you start to taste success, do you all of a sudden sort of chase success over more, like more over than the passion? Basically, like do you start to feel that that pull towards like, well, no, I'm actually starting to win. I I'm undefeated in every competition. Like I might, right. you know, I might be really good at this. I couldn't do it. You know, like does that start to yeah. does that kind of get into your head eventually? I can for a lot of athletes. Uh, personally, for me, it doesn't. I think it's because the amount of time I've been in this sport, the amount of experience, um, and my my age. You know, as I start to get older. Uh, but as a young athlete, I think it does. Um, as you start to win these national champion or championships, um, I've won university nationals three times, <clears throat> um, 
and I've won, you know, just multiple, multiple local meets. So I can already kind of say if I walk into a local meet, I'm probably going to win. And, and that's just already my tell you have, but that's, you know, more of the smaller end. So for me, if I'm winning these big competitions, let's say university nationals, um, yeah, I mean, my next goal would be, hey, I can probably make it to maybe university worlds, like that next step. But there is so much more, even though it's like just that next step, it's so much more, um, it, it, get, that it does get harder. So it's like, it's not that I'm more trying to chase the success, but I'm still trying to keep that passion. Like I still love the sport and I, I, I really, I just want to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Whether I make the university world team or not, doesn't really matter to me. But as long as my, for me, technique and form, uh, looks better, gets better, and my lifts get improved from there, then I'm happy. And so you've also been a coach in the sport. You've been able to train other athletes. Do you find that that people tend to succeed whenever they have that mentality versus the success mentality? Or have you been able to train people sort of and, and it kind of do you find that their mentality matters or does it matter essentially in their success in the sport? Ooh, yeah. Uh, man. I mean, the mentality of it def- definitely does matter for sure, at least with um, – so when I you know, got into coaching, it was whenever you start – like let's say you do the tryouts and stuff, you want to look for athletes that are just hungry. They're hungry for learning, and that's kind of my number one thing. As long as they're hungry for learning new uh, movement, not necessarily movements, but just new things from what they've learned in the past, um, and they're open to that, those are the athletes that I, that I know will – succeed and when we talk about success i'm not meaning getting on a podium and getting three medals three gold medals uh that's not what i see as success i see as when somebody gets into a sport they love or start to begin to love and they just their their mindset continues to grow they're open to so many more ideas they just learn so much more than just the medals than just the hardware right they learn how to adapt to their circumstances whether they have a good barbell or a bad barbell or, oh, I'm, uh, my shoes are messed up. That's why I didn't do so well. Um, so the mindset of just loving the sport and that you are grateful that you have the ability to do the sport, especially at a university level with a team that is all doing it together, um, that, that is the mindset that more makes people successful. Mm-hmm. And again, when I say success, I mean like just that improvement of self mm-hmm. rather than um, – rather than, you know, uh, up on a podium. Uh, I'm more happy with somebody who's improved their lifts and their attitude and technique and all of that, rather than somebody who's just won a gold medal on a, pl- on a platform. Gotcha. So whenever you are, like, whenever you're, like, coaching, if you've coached, like, like certainly more than one or two, you've coached, like, 20 or 30 mm-hmm. weightlifters, like, mm-hmm. do, you, do you encourage them to only measure against themselves? Or do you say, you know, look at, John over there and he's, he's your weight, but he's doing, you know, 10 more pounds than you. Like, uh, should you, do you, do you kind of encourage them to look at other people to improve themselves or do you, do you have them more like examine themselves over their, their sort of their competitors? Like, do you kind of have them compete against themselves or against other people when you're training them? Yeah. Um, it depends on the athlete. Of course, uh, you have to learn who they are. You have to learn what motivates them. I know multiple athletes that if I tell them that, they would just kind of uh, lose interest and they, they would start not to like the sport anymore because then it's more comparing themselves to someone that's better than them. And they start maybe to think that, oh, I'm just never going to be as good as them. Uh, if you're going to do that, I think a way to do that is going to be, hey, look at their technique. Uh, this person listens to everything I tell them. They come in day in and day out, something like that. 
for an athlete who is very competitive. Yeah. And, and it kind of makes it more of a fun environment. There was something I did with some athletes that, uh, it, it was, it was still more to themselves, but it was like, all right, if you hit this, uh, you know, and I'm a top kilos. So if you hit 120 snatch balance, and I remember this specifically, uh, for three reps, then I will run, you know, five laps around the gym. And it was like, oh, yes, like have the coach run. Definitely, mm-hmm. you know, for weightlifters, if people don't know, running is kind of the thing that we don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> so he did two, and I was like, ooh, that was a tough one. I wasn't sure he was going to do that third one. But I think because I kind of made that that bet almost, that, that competitive kind of edge on him, and he's a very competitive person, um, he hit that third one. He did the third rep, and then I was like, all right, I'll do it, and I ran. So it all depends on the athlete's mindset on like what – what kind of drives them and what motivates them. And that's kind of where the uh, positive sandwich is what they call it. Um, to where you have like a positive uh, cue, then you have a correction or a negative cue in the middle, and then you have another positive. So it, like you, you kind of, it, it, and I almost think of it as like a, a you can flip flop the sandwich based on the person. So you can go negative or correction. It's really what I mean when I say negative, positive in the middle and then negative. So it's, it's cue positive you did good on here all right you still need to fix this and then with a different athlete who has a different mindset to where they're not very like that like have that competitive edge like oh i want to beat the person next to me for them you'll go positive then you'll go all right kind of fix this and you you did good here Mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely different ways for different athletes gotcha so i guess to sort of switch gears a little bit um, you've been sort of doing this for a long time. Uh, and like when you first got into it, like, uh, you're a young guy and you, I mean, you haven't really, you haven't really stopped since you started by my, my yeah. estimate. And so like, what, I guess, what kind of keeps you going? Uh, I mean, like what keeps you like, are you still striving for that self development or that self improvement? Like, is it still that for you or is it, has it turned into something different? Yeah, I think right now it, it still is that that self-development for sure. Um, but I think it's um, it's also, you know, I had I had a goal uh, that I kind of set for myself back uh, when I kind of got into weightlifting and started seeing myself get better and better and better. And I was like, oh, I can actually do this. So hitting a certain number for like my clean and jerk mm-hmm. and my snatch, and, be like I have numbers in my head. So So for those who don't know, could you describe a clean and jerk and a snatch? Yeah, so we do two movements in Olympic weightlifting. Uh, snatch is where the bar's on the ground, and we just lift it overhead in one movement. So it's all one fluid motion. We go from the ground to overhead, uh, usually with a wide grip. So pick the bar up, right overhead, there's a snatch. Um, for the clean and jerk, you'll pick the bar up from the ground, put it on your collarbone, and that's the first, that's the clean. And then when you jerk, you uh, just drive it up from there over your head. So it's it's kind of two movements, but it's really just that one specific exercise that we do so snatches bar to overhead clean jerk is to the collarbone and then overhead from there um so yeah so my my clean and jerk like i wanted to have it as 155 and right now my snatch i'm like feeling pretty confident that i can start getting it back up and then maybe hit you know 120 or whatever uh so those those are kind of like the numbers that are in my head and most most weightlifters if you ask them they have numbers in their head You'd be like, oh, what numbers do you want to hit? And a lot of them will go this and this. Like they have, they have it set. Um, so that those are still kind of in my head. I mean, the passion's still there. So it's more of a, yeah. I mean, why, why not continue to do something that I love? Mm. Uh, at least right now, I can't see myself getting into another sport 
getting into um, CrossFit, which is, uh, you know, usually what most people get into after their sport's over, because there's usually nothing you can do after college for the sport. Um, so I can't really see myself getting into that. I still love weightlifting and um, I still have the opportunity to do it. So let me do it and continue to um, try and be as best as I can with, with what I have, with my age, with, you know, all those factors. And, um, yeah. And so you're, you're still planning to compete at, at meets and things like that. Definitely. Yeah. Competing is, is just exciting. Um, and again, I mean, it, it, you definitely do get a good feeling about walking in and saying, oh, I want to be the best. I want to be the best in here. Um, at this meet, you know, I want people to, to watch, to watch me and be like, wow, he looks way better than all these other athletes. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that is kind of a feeling that, uh, whenever you're doing something and the spotlight's on you and it's just on you, that's the, that's what you start to build. You start to build that, that feeling of like, I have the spotlight on me. I got to show my stuff, you know? everybody watching and was there a moment where it all clicked for you like when you first started to to now like when was the moment when you're like this is the thing for me like i'm gonna do this forever because like in my my case like i was a runner for four years but i don't run now you know uh, like yeah, yeah. you know I, I felt like i wanted to be a runner but honestly when when I, when I had the choice when i stopped training when i didn't have a coach anymore uh, i stopped running mm -hmm. essentially and so like but but that's that's never happened for you. So how, how how exactly were you able to maintain that that drive for so long? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so like you said, like where kind of where it clicked. I think really where it clicked was again like after high school. Um, I knew I never I didn't know about any colleges that did it, um, but so I still kind of was doing it on my own. And then when I did find out about a college, I was like so excited and. Again, I didn't know about scholarship. I didn't care about scholarship. I was like, I'm going no matter what. However much my loans, I don't care. You know, however much, however much I got to pay, I don't care. I'll make it happen. So, like that for me, without even thinking about money, was probably kind of my uh, uh, that point to where I was like, the passion overcomes everything else. Mm. So I'll, I'll, you know, let me get into this. Uh, I don't even never been out of Florida. Never left my family going to Missouri all by myself, like, let's do it, you know? Um, so that was probably that point where I was like, I'm probably going to do this for a very long time, if not forever. And, and if I'm not doing it myself, then I'm probably going to be coaching it. Um, just cause that, uh, I couldn't get out of the weight room. Um, and that's kind of how a lot of people ended up knowing me without me knowing them. They're like, Oh, you're always in, you're always in the weight room. Like you're always that person, you know, maybe 6am you're there training by yourself or whatever it is. Um, so keeping, keeping that drive up, uh, it's just, it's just the, the love of it. it it's such a, uh, when you get to that level, you know, really for any sport, when you get to that level, it becomes a beautiful sport. It becomes a beautiful thing when you start looking at the technique in, with any sport, with tennis, with golf, with whatever it is, tape, you know, uh, table tennis, you get to that level and it's, and it's beautiful because of how much goes into it, these little details and movements and stuff. And so, like, you had mentioned training at six in the morning uh, in the gym by yourself. And whenever you get up, like, whenever you get up at four in the morning to go to the gym, what are you thinking about? Like, what exactly is running through your mind when you're, like, when the alarm goes off, no matter how late you are up, the alarm goes off. Like, how exactly do you manage to get out of bed and go do that thing uh, by yourself? No audience, no vanity. How, how exactly do you pull that off? Yeah, so there was... 
two periods of time that I was definitely doing that, uh, like consistently. Um, and you know, college, probably my junior year, uh, or sophomore, junior year, I think it was both those years. Uh, that's what I would do. So I would work at Dairy Queen. I would just walk from the school to Dairy Queen, um, get off at like 10 30, 11 at night. Then I would, you know, come back to the dorm, um, take a shower, sometimes not take a shower, just sleep in my bed, all, all greasy. Um, and cause I knew I was like, I got to get some rest cause I'm gonna get up early in the morning. Um, and I think it was more that like, if, if I don't get up, that's another day missed. Um, the goal is to have five days a week of training, uh, for me at that point. And so it's okay if I get down to four week, four days a week, but still like, I don't like missing something, especially something that I've set in my mind. Like I'm gonna do five days. I need to commit to five days a week. Um, so I think just getting up was like, I, I don't know. I, it was just that inner, it was just an inner passion that I had to just get up and do it. Um, there, I don't think there was, there was just something pulling me that for the love of it to just, to just continue to get better. Um, it really wasn't for anybody. It wasn't, I don't even know if it was even for myself. It was just, it was just going and doing it. Um, so it became a habit almost like something that I couldn't live without. Mm. So, um, whether, whether that's good or not, you know, some, some people think of it as an addiction, I guess you just continue to do it and you have no idea why you just keep doing it. Um, so that was that point. And then there was a point where I was coaching and it was hard to get in training times because I had, you had to coach certain, uh, different sessions. And so we had 6 a.m.s actually for our training, uh, for our team. And there were days where I would be like, no, I have to start getting back into training. So I would, I would train before the 6 a.m. training session. Uh, that was probably the earliest I've ever trained. So I would go in 5 a.m., hit a workout. Um, and again, I think it was just like, uh, I, didn't, I can't see myself doing anything else. So I think that that's why I continue to weightlift. Mm. And um, does, it, does it ever get easier? Like, what, was it like, was there ever a time where like, it just, you don't even have to, like the alarm goes off and it's like, you don't even, there's, you're not even like enticed to go back to bed. Like, does it ever get to a point where you're, you're kind of just like, I'm out and I'm up, I'm going like, I'm not even, I don't even, I don't even want the pillow anymore. Or do you always want the pillow? Like does extra sleep always sound nice? More than usual, more, more than often. Yes. Mm. Uh, more, more often like than not, I'm, I'm like, man, I, I don't want to go up at 6 a.m. to train or, uh, but when you, when you end up looking at your schedule and you're like, this is probably the only time that I can train, then you make it happen, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but most of the time it's, it's not like that, but I would, I will say when training's going well, when you're starting to like improve, oh yeah, it's, you get up, like, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Let's go another day. Like when you start seeing, when you start seeing progress is when that happens, but how often do athletes see progress is not that often, you know? So that, that is where the passion needs to come in to continue to, to trust in the process, um, trust in, in the consistency of work to just continue to get up and, and keep going. Cause at some point, maybe one week out of the year, you'll see progress, you know? Um, but you do it for the love of it. And, uh, I, I know because I've known you and I, I've actually lived with you that you very rarely ever get sick or hurt, but were there, was, was there ever a time where you had to push, push through an injury or maybe you did something maybe like, that would be like, uh, maybe like you, you, 
you, you were sick or you were hurt and you just kept going because like, this is what I do, you know, like, was there ever a time you can remember where you just pushed through an injury or an illness, or maybe you were just in a lot of pain? I don't imagine you get very sore anymore, I guess, having done it for that, for as long as you've done it, or maybe you do get sore. And because I know for me, like if I, if I get up, like I've tried to start working out numerous times and what gets me is like, I'll work out one day and I'll go do all the things and I'll, I won't be sore that day. <laughs> and then I'll wake up to try and do it again. And that's like, I can't even move a single muscle on my body. And that's like the most demotivating factor for me is like just this, sh oh, just yeah. the sheer pain of it all. Like how exactly do you manage to, yeah. I guess, uh, I guess a more, a better way to, how, how do you kind of push through the pain? Because what you do is a bit different than like, a, a professor sitting down to write a book like there's a certain kind of pain involved with writing a book but it's certainly different than the kind of pain that you deal with the physical pain a lot of people can't a lot of people uh, kind of back out at the first sign of physical pain how, how do you manage to push through that pain and, and keep pursuing your passion regardless of how much it hurts yeah so uh as i you know think about it when you're talking about the illness i i can't think of illness uh that i've gotten sick throughout the time of college to like be sick and go to work out. So I, that I don't think happened, but for anybody that knows me as a weightlifter, my number one injury was my wrist. Um, you know, it seems like a small injury, but it's probably definitely one of the most common. Uh, and it's one of the most annoying for sure, the wrist. So that injury has been with me since 2012. Uh, I actually, I got surgery, um, in 2016. Um, but it's still, there's still some pain. Um, but working through that pain, um, was probably definitely if I was my own coach, I would tell myself to stop and not, not do the lifts anymore, you know, like quit it. What are you doing? You're, you're not at something. My professor always told me athletes are dumb. Okay. And, and we are, uh, me as an athlete, I'm, I'm not very smart. I, I will continue to just fight through the pain because I think that's what's going to work. I can't stop training. I have to keep going because if I stop one week, I'm going to get weaker, right? Uh, which as a coach, you're like, that's ridiculous. What are you, what are you thinking about? So, um, so yeah, so, so my wrist definitely was an issue and, and it hurt any time I would go past like 75% and that's, you know, super light. So, so pushing through that, I would just, try and figure out what I could do. All right. So I, I can do movements that don't hurt it. So I started to do those. I can just squat and not hurt my wrist. And so I started to do those. Um, uh, and then when I got the injury, like <laughs> I didn't really do physical therapy for it. Again, athletes are dumb. I'm not very smart with that stuff. So, uh, with myself, you know, trying to improve myself. Cause you don't look at the end, end, end goal. You look at right now, like, Oh, I need to be doing something now. And you're probably just screwing it up more and more. Um, but it still it still hurts me to to this day. Um, even after surgery, it still bothers me here and there. Um, but I do the lifts that don't bother it so much, you know. So I, I try and catch the barbell higher rather than as I get lower. As I catch it lower, that's where it begins to hurt. So I'm like, all right, let me just start catching it higher, and then eventually I start to get used to it. So I will say now. Uh, after about five weeks of getting into like some serious training again, because a lot of athletes, they'll have periods of just not training. Um, and of course with COVID happening, there was a two to three month period where there was a lot of people not training and I was one of them. So getting back into it, my wrist started to hurt again. Um, and so now finally, after about five, six weeks of training, my wrist is finally starting to feel good. 
Um, so eventually it just starts, I just started to maybe build up that resistance to that um, or, or the flexibility is just starting to get better. Um, so it, it's just continuing to, to trust that. Um, but of course, listening to your coach, listening to someone smarter than you who knows those things, um, going to see a chiropractor, stuff like that, uh, should be something that I recommend to people, but I probably won't do myself, which is, you know, is an issue as well. Um, and, uh, talking about the soreness and, and after a period, like after COVID getting back into, into weightlifting, um, man, was I sore. I've been sore probably for these past four weeks. So, <laughs> so soreness does happen to us still. Um, but you, you know that that's going to happen. You know, you've done it for so long. You know that that is going to happen. You're already ready for it. You're already prepared for it. You're already mentally um, aware. So you just keep going because you know eventually it's going to die down and you'll start to see the numbers start to increase. So you know that that um, progress is going to happen after that soreness is. And I know, I know you were a personal trainer for a period of time, and I'm sure most of the people who came to see you had never worked out a day in their life. So you've had the, the, bonus, the bonus or the added privilege of working with people who, who come to you for the purpose of getting better at lifting something that they've previously been doing. Um, and then you also have these people who've literally never touched a weight in their life coming to you and saying, how do I lose 20 pounds? How do I get biceps? How do I get some abs? What do I do? Um, what's your experience working with people who have never done what you do? Yeah. Uh, at first, when I started personal training when I was young, um, it was like I tried to get them into doing the things that I was doing. Like, oh, this is what I do. So I got them into doing that. But the more I went through schooling, the more I started to learn about kind of more of what personal training is and what these people need more is I started, again, focusing more on what they needed rather than what I wanted. Um, so now with these sessions, I mean, it's, it is almost j just as in light, uh, as enlightening, like it's like they are experiencing things they've never experienced. Like I'll tell you a story of like this, this gym that I started doing some personal training at. Um, and pretty almost everybody that I was training there, um, afterwards kind of was surprised and, and said, Oh, I'm, I'm sweating. <laughs> and that was, I was so, I've never heard that before. I've never heard somebody who's been personal training, probably they've been there for about a year or two years already. Um, but then I come in, I start training them and, and they're surprised that they're sweating. And I was like, have, have you never sweat before while you were working out with a trainer? And, and that was like the craziest thing. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, but they felt good, you know, like, and I'm like, that is like these little things are, are such a big experience for these people that a lot of times they don't experience or even stretching. And they're like, man, like stretching, I feel so much better after. Like, and I know Adam, we worked out a couple of times yeah. here and there. And, you know, at first, the, the first week was rough, but then as you started, you started to feel better, I think. Um, and, and you just kept going with it. And um, they, you guys, uh, people who first get into it, who have never kind of, again, trained, they start to they start to love it and and you have to go at it as a personal trainer as not as like well this is what i would do i, I push myself I, I go i go i go you have to learn that client again you have, to, you have to learn each individual that you're training and um a lot of times i try not to make them very sore after i, I try and just get them where they feel a little bit of soreness so they feel it there and they're like oh, okay this is good and then we start to gradually just keep mm. just start building and building and building 
Um, so you have to learn, you have to learn the, the client you're working with. And so, uh, you, you're probably more aware of this than I am, but at least in America, the, uh, like heart disease, obesity, uh, all, you know, all of the associated illnesses with type, was it type one diabetes? Uh, is that, is that the one that's associated with weight gain? Type, type two. two diabetes. Okay. Um, yeah. you know, all yeah. of those illnesses are on the rise, uh, and they, they kill an inordinate amount of people each year. Uh, and so pretty much all of America has been deemed unhealthy to, to one degree or another. So you're kind of in the, I would, I would consider just as there's the 1% of wealth, I would consider you in the 1% of health. Uh, there probably are very few, you probably have very few peers that are as healthy as you are. Um, and for, I, I you know, and, and, and like you've said uh, just previously that working with people who have never sweat or worked out before, like if someone is, is desperately unhealthy and like let's just say they're they're severely overweight or maybe they're mildly overweight and they're just they're just just generally unhealthy uh and they they feel no desire uh to work out like would you have any advice for someone like that like just to start out like what 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 would you give uh, a beginner or someone who doesn't even see the value of working out what would you tell them yeah um so think of it as more i think the first thing i I would tell them is is find somebody um, and that's the thing I, I, you know, I can get into this big time is, is people started to, um, kind of use this, like how America is so overweight and obese and things like that. And they've used that kind of as more of a, of a business. People saw that as a business, which is ridiculous. So there's a bunch of this nutrition stuff, which is, I mean, it's great. It is, it is great stuff. Uh, but, but the price that these clients and stuff have to pay is, is crazy, um, to, to just receive information that, that you can get really anywhere. Um, I mean, good information, you, you have to seek out those people, but like, uh, to, to the prices for like personal training and to help somebody who's obese is, is crazy. Um, which, which is very, uh, it, it is hard. It's, 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 it's kind of depressing to see that is this person wants to get healthier and they want to lose weight to have a healthier life, but they have to almost take out their whole wallet and give it to them. And, and that, that's rough how, how this, how this, uh, this business has kind of developed that way. But what I would say, and I would encourage them is like, um, to, to have them to build a relationship first, uh, to trip, to kind of build, uh, find somebody they can actually trust. So try out those, those, uh, those free consultations. Um, there, there's tons of gyms, which right now there's not, but there's, there's like those bigger gyms, but look into those little gyms. Uh, these big gyms, most of the time they do not have experienced trainers. Um, a lot of the big gyms that I can walk into, LA Fitness, uh, 24-Hour Fitness, which is one that I was just recently working at, uh, UFIT, um, all of these big corporation gyms, I can walk into them and all their trainers have a, a certification that they got online um, that they studied for maybe three months and then took the test and that's it. They don't have a degree. They don't have any really experience except for maybe training their mother mm -hmm. or their sister or something. But that's that's all they have and, and so, uh, just, try out sorry just before you just before you finish up there just so people know that um that you kind of walk the walk and talk the talk do you want to mention your certificates and your training that you've had um yeah so I went to well when I went to Linwood University got my bachelor's in exercise science uh, I got my master's in human performance um after that and then uh, I am certified in uh, USA weightlifting uh, level two certification and then um have my personal training certification through Nesta, which I will say was, uh, again, as you get that knowledge, I can probably just 
maybe study for like a week and then take the test and pass because of all the past information that I've had. So I kind of passed that test just by taking it um, with the prior knowledge I had with, with the degrees. Um, so certified personal trainer through NESTA and then um, certified as a strength conditioning coach through NSCA. Um, so, I, you know, in addition to that, you know, there, there is the past six years um, plus that, that I've been training people right. and working with people. So, uh, like I said, I, I can kind of walk in. And, and again, I, I'll, I'll say that I did go into 24-hour fitness. And the first thing that the director said to both me and my wife, because we both applied there, um, was you guys are way too old. You guys are overqualified for this. Um, and I knew it. I knew I was overqualified for it. So uh, I walked in and I walked in as the highest trainer, which I didn't expect less. Uh, that That's what I expect. So to those people who um, are kind of scared and afraid to get into it, uh, look into as many gyms as you can look into. Um, most of them, uh, all of them, I would say should have a free consultation. Um, just go in, feel the trainer out. Do not be afraid to say no. Uh, if, if that trainer is pushing sales, leave them. Uh, you know, leave them. Oh, well, why not? Oh, well, if they continue to ask you, why, why aren't you buying this personal training session? Walk out. Say no and walk out. Uh, they need to care about you um, instead of your money. Um, so I, I would say that you'll find somebody. Trust me, you'll find somebody. Uh, probably more at like a smaller gym that's around the area. Um, just like the gym that, that I'm with, uh, Station 2 Fitness. Uh, these gyms care, really care about the individual uh, rather than their, their pocketbook. Mm -hmm. And would you recommend, I know a lot of people get trapped in like tutorial hell or there's sort of like a, a, a vacuum online where if you say, how do mm. I Olympic weightlift or how do I, how do I, how do I clean and jerk or how do I snatch or how do I deadlift? Like you can watch literally millions and millions of videos oh. on how to, uh, how this form, that form, you know, pick it up this way, you know, throw it behind your back, you know? So whenever someone, you know, and that's the, that's the temptation for any beginner. I know I've done it myself is to get into that sort of like yes. tutorial spiral what would you recommend if, if, if some people are like, well, you know, look, I literally have no extra money. I cannot go to a gym. I can't afford $50 or $100 a month for a personal trainer. I'm just going to do it online. I'm just going to go and uh, look up YouTube videos and I'm going to learn it myself. And I'm going to get a $15 membership to the biggest gym around me or whatever. And I'm, I'm just going to kind of try to do it on my own. What, uh, are, are there any resources or places you'd recommend or, or maybe you don't even recommend that approach at all? Um, I just, what are your thoughts on, uh, sort of the tutorial spiral, I guess? Yeah. So yeah. And it definitely depends on the situation you're in. So, uh, yeah, if you don't have any, uh, I, I was lucky enough to go to, to go to a university where I was watching these Olympians lift and I was just amazed at that trick, their technique. And, and that's what I wanted to be. Uh, so different situation. So if you're in a situation where you're in a gym, you have a coach, and you have other athletes around you, find the best-looking athlete with technique, with form, and just watch them. Watch them after each set when you're sitting down. Uh, watch the person that kind of just, again, looks very stable. And, and I, can, I can say this to anybody. I'll show them a video of really good technique, and I'll show them a video of bad technique, and they'll know right away. Um, so it doesn't matter, at least for that point, it doesn't matter how much experience you have or knowledge you have of, of weightlifting, strength training, look at the person that you think, not the one that's doing the crazy, wild, ridiculous stuff. Look at the one that looks like they have a routine and looks like they come in, they do their work, they get out, they're quiet about it, they're not yelling and screaming around the gym. Uh, watch them. 
watch them, see what they're doing, try and mimic their technique and their form uh, if we're mainly talking about that stuff. So getting into that spiral, like you said, as an athlete, I was lucky enough to, yeah, there was Facebook around, but it wasn't like how it is with Instagram right now where there's videos just go all over the place. And I can watch a million videos. Um, I get into watching these videos right now and the techniques are just looking more, more and more poor uh, each video I watch. So uh, when I was an athlete, I didn't watch any videos. I, I, I barely watched any videos of, of athletes training. So that's my approach to that. Um, I focus more on how I felt, that I feel comfortable, that I feel confident and, and take, if you were somebody who uh, you don't have a coach, you don't have the money, uh, you don't have any other, any other athletes around you, uh, find uh, somebody whose technique that I love is, um, uh, I think he's a Russian weightlifter. Um, I think he's retired now, but uh, Opti Akarov. He's, he's probably, I don't even know if I know his Instagram right now, but he's uh, the number one athlete that I would recommend technique wise. Uh, so, so find the one, not that they just look the quickest, the fastest, but the ones that look like they're very proficient in their lift and each lift looks the same. So watch them, uh, watch one athlete. Don't watch 50 million athletes and try and be like the one person that looks cool. Um, and, and focus on the basics, start from the floor, do deadlift, then do pulls then like break down each movement and do them like that do a hundred reps of them, you know, of each breakdown of each movement. Um, that's the hard thing about this, uh, this spiral of, of social media is everyone wants to do the next coolest thing, uh, the different complexes and stuff. And it's ridiculous. So, so, so I, I think we should wrap up here pretty soon, but I want to ask you, I guess maybe one or two more questions here. Uh, and then, and then we'll kind of, we'll okay. kind of close. Uh, so I guess for people who are listening and, uh, who, who've like kind of heard your, your story through Olympic weightlifting and things like that. Um, if there's someone out there who wants to like, let's say they, they, they want to do what you do. Like there, it's kind of becoming more popular, at least with like the advent of CrossFit. Like that's very, very popular. Uh, there's a, there's a Netflix documentary, uh, fittest people on earth, I believe. And that's, that's a very popular documentary. And, uh, and, and more and more people are kind of seeing that, that lifestyle, uh, with, especially with like a lot of YouTube channels are coming out with like these lifting lifestyle channels and things like that. Like, yeah. um, and maybe more and more people want to become that weightlifter. Uh, it, and so what would you say to someone who's like, who looks at you and sees what you're doing with your business and, and like, you you know, sees you on the stage winning, uh, you know, winning at the national level, like if someone comes up to you and says, you know, how, how do I do what you're doing? How do I become a national weightlifter? How do I, you know, how do I become you basically? Like, how do I, be, you know, compete at your level? How do I start? Where do I begin? Like, what would you tell that person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this goes back to, uh, man, it was, it was a coach that I, that I heard about. Uh, he was a football coach, I think. And it, when every athlete that got into, um, Oh, it was, it was a Packers coach back in the old time, whoever the famous Packers coach was. But they, every time when any athlete, whatever, however good they were at the college level, when they got into the professional level, the first thing that that coach taught them was, this is a football. Uh, this is how you tie your shoes. Like he went, Vince Lombardi, he went to the basics, the basics, basics, right? So the first thing I would ask that athlete, if they're going to come to me and how do I be like you? 
Uh, one, are, are you willing to put, put in the work? Are you willing to kind of drop all the knowledge that you think you know or that you do know? Are you willing to do that? Um, so are you willing to change um, the things that you might not want to change to, to then be how I am right now or, or be kind of the best athlete you can be? Um, that was probably the first thing I, I, would, I would ask them. Um, but there's also the, some things that, uh, you know, I, I'm right now I'm doing uh, kind of a free trial of, of technique videos. So I'm, I'm taking about five people uh, completely free. It's, it's a trial run that I'm trying to see how I'm going to make this online coaching thing kind of work. Um, I don't really agree with online coaching, but this is more of like an assessment um, analysis kind of way that I want to try and do. Uh, it's going to be completely free. It's going to be through uh, kind of another it's never stop project, um, never stop project program at gmail.com. It's very long, or you can just message me on social, um, social media and uh, I'm going to request videos. You'll send me a bunch of your videos, snatch clean, um, all these different videos. Um, and if you want, we can assess squat as well, but I'll just completely assess a uh, full assessment of the lifts and kind of critique, uh, uh, more things than you'll probably know. Um, most of the time, uh, every gym I walk into and I start coaching, uh, the first thing they say is, wow, I've never been coached like this. Or, wow, you really like it's detailed. It's so detailed that they, they are just so surprised by it. Um, so there, there are some things that, that we offer, at least you know, for right now, for sure, uh, that, are, that are free to a lot of athletes. So keep on the eye of doing just sign up for some free stuff. Um, figure out how it is. Figure out how you like it. Excellent. Well, um, I'd say that's a wrap. Uh, I really appreciate coming on and talking about your journey um, and, and your passion and, and, and the purpose you find in weightlifting. Um, and for those listening, where can they find you online, basically? Yeah, on, on Instagram. I mean, there, there's a ton of uh, different. So Station 2 Fitness is a big one. It's the gym that I'm at. Uh, my personal Instagram is Rodriguez underscore 93. Um, and then the other one that I was talking about was never stop. So you can find that on Instagram underscore, uh, never stop project. So, um, you can pretty much find me on, on all those. Awesome. Well, I, re I really appreciate you, know, you taking the time out of your day to speak with me and, um, yeah, maybe we'll have you on in the future. Yeah. Thank you very much, Adam. It was good. Awesome. Talking. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to watch the second episode of the will work for purpose podcast. It was a lot of fun to shoot with Austin. And if you'd like to subscribe to see further episodes, I'll be coming out with them weekly, provided I have guests to, in, uh, to interview. Uh, and if you know anyone uh, that you'd like to be, in, or if you yourself would like to be interviewed, uh, feel free to email me at mosley at tweakingo.com. And you can subscribe to the podcast where all major podcasts are found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And also on my website, tweakingo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys in the next one.